I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Over the last several months, Democrats have shouted loudly and placed blame vocally for the filibuster rule. Uh, that that was the reason they couldn't pass any major pieces of legislation. Uh, We always say if you're complaining about the rules or the referees, meaning either the rules of the Senate or the parliamentarian of the Senate, it's probably because you're losing, just like in a football game. If you're complaining about the rules or the referees, you're probably losing the game. Uh, But that may not be the right question, because is the filibuster really the obstacle, or is there another way uh, to get bills passed without completely uh, gutting and changing Senate rules. James Walner is a resident senior fellow at the R Street Institute, former Senate aide, and he joins us on the line now. He is our inside source on all things Senate related. Uh, James, you have been uh, saying for some time now that there is a way uh, to get for Democrats to uh, beat the, quote, filibuster rule uh, without actually wrecking the Senate in the process. Absolutely. And and thanks for having me. Look, there is a way. And the fact that they didn't take it suggests that they may not have the votes, which means that maybe, in fact, the filibuster isn't the rule after uh, isn't the problem after all. But what I'm talking about here is how the Senate basically did business before they ever even adopted a cloture rule in 1917 to end a filibuster when senators didn't want to stop talking. The Senate still did lots of stuff. And the Senate still did lots of controversial stuff. And the Senate passed lots of really big legislation on simple majority votes. And today we seem to have forgotten that. It's almost as if we're required to use cloture. We're required to get a 60 vote threshold when, in fact, we're not. So, so let's break that down just a little bit for everybody. When we talk about cloture and we talk about kind of this sequence of things that has to happen to, to pass a bill, just walk us through that. So there's two ways to end debate on a bill in the United States Senate. I'm not counting unanimous consent, which doesn't really apply. And those ways, let's start with cloture. Cloture is the way we usually think about. And that is if senators are speaking and they want to keep speaking, if a, if a supermajority, in this case 60 senators, say we've been debating this enough and we want to get to a final vote on it, which is a simple majority vote, they would then file cloture. And if 60 senators voted to invoke cloture or end debate, that bill would then enter a post-cloture debate period that would basically be an off-ramp towards the final passage vote. 
That's one way of ending a filibuster, but it's not the only way. So let's let's get into that then. So is, because it it is, has been turned into this big, uh, you know, super monster uh, of the problems of everything we can blame on the filibuster. Uh, but that's why we can't get things done. That's why we're so divided. Uh, so how else can we use the rules of the Senate uh, to actually get some of these done, promote a little more bipartisanship, and and actually do the work of the people? Well, my favorite thing that senators say these days is that. We have the chamber. We've got all of our side here, but the other side won't show up. They won't debate. We can't go forward. And that, I just scratched my head because under the Senate rules, going back to the very first Senate in 1789, there is a limit on how long senators can speak. And there's also a rule that requires the presiding officer to call a vote if no one's speaking. So it seems to me that if no one's speaking, you should be voting. But the Senate doesn't like doing business that way because it's a little unpredictable. They like to schedule things with the cloture and unanimous consent. But, you know, there is a rule in the Senate, like I've said, that goes back to the very beginning. that says that senators can only speak twice in any one legislative day on any one question. Now, the kicker here is that a legislative day can last up to 100 cal- I mean, 365 calendar days, I suppose. They can last a lot longer because the Senate controls when a legislative day begins and ends. And so you can imagine that if you have a legislative day that lasts, say, six months, how many senators would it take speaking, what, 20 hours each to exhaust that? And, you know, most senators don't want to stand up on the floor and speak for 20 hours. And after you've given your two speeches, you're not allowed to be recognized anymore. And at that point, there's no need to invoke closure. The Senate just votes. votes. Uh, fascinating. One of the other things that you have uh, mentioned recently in particular is that, uh, the, again, as part of this uh, filibuster is not the problem, uh, you actually say it's the lack of open debate that's part of the problem. That's right. Look, what happened with this voting rights bill, I think, is very instructive. First, we were told that there was no way Democrats could ever overcome a filibuster to begin debate, that Republicans were preventing the Senate from debating. That was the president and vice presidents, the basis of their speeches in Atlanta. This was the number one talking point. Well, it turns out there's a rule, Senate Rule 7, if you're interested in the details, that allows the Senate to get around that. There's other rules in the Senate, too, that allow them to do that, but they use that one. And they started a debate. And the second they started this debate that they said they couldn't have and they really wanted to have and the Republicans didn't want them to have, what did they do? They immediately filed closure to shut that debate off. They file, they fill the amendment tree, which is basically a fancy way of saying they, they prevent Republicans or any Democrats from offering amendments to the bill. And so they basically transformed the Senate floor into a factory floor. And your senator, whether they be a Democrat or a Republican, conservative or liberal, is no longer there to represent you and adjudicate your concerns in that process. They're instead meant to basically give a thumbs up or a thumbs down at the end of that production process. And that's the that's the real problem. And that's, I think, why we don't actually have a lot of big things being done, because compromise requires disagreement and it requires fighting and it requires a struggle. And then out of that comes a greater understanding of what we ultimately need to do in the United States Senate. Yeah. And why do you think senators are so reluctant to either talk, even talk about it? You don't hear any senators really talking about this or using some of those alternative ways to end debate and pass bills. thing is that it's unpredictable. 
just imagine if you're going on in your normal business and you're going to the gym or you're at lunch or you're on the phone with your spouse or you want to go home or you want to go see your kid's baseball game after work. There may be a vote and you don't know it. You may have to rush back. Now imagine rushing back is halfway around the country, right? And so you begin to see that if something can happen at any point, which is the more fluid Senate of that happened in the past, then that's a lot more unpredictable. And if you really want to try to wait out a determined minority, that requires a determined majority. And that requires them to expend a little bit of effort as well to cast some votes. And you don't see that anymore. Look, Ted Kennedy, a senator from Massachusetts, he once uh, described the Senate as a chemical body. He said something happens when senators are all in a room and they realize that they're not going home until they get something done. This is the dynamic he was referring to. And today, well, they know that they're going to go home if they don't get anything done. They just have to wait till 530 on a Thursday. And then they're going to have a unanimous consent agreement to postpone everything until the next Monday or Tuesday. And then they'll go on about their business. But that's not how you overcome big disagreements in America. Yeah. So we actually got to have more debate, more disagreement uh, on the floor of the Senate in front of the American people. And then we can have real votes and then we can hold everybody account- accountable. I think that's uh, a radical concept. We got to give that a try. <laughs> Well, that's how we, you know, we, we hear a lot of talk about the Civil Rights Act of 1964 in the past couple of weeks. That's how that bill was passed. Any big marquee piece of legislation that Congress talks about, holds up and says, this is what we need to do, was passed in a big debate where yeah. senators were offering different amendments. They were disagreeing. They were using every tool at their disposal to try to defeat it. In the end, some compromise emerges. That's the way it works. And if we want Congress to do big, important things, then we need Congress to act like it can do big and important things. Uh, fantastic. James Walner, resident senior fellow at the R Street Institute. Always pre- appreciate his perspective on all things Senate. Again, it's not the filibuster that's the problem, folks. Uh, we got to get to real debate and uh, real arguments in front of the American people. That's what we got to get to. We're going to step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, the Biden administration has removed protections for religious foster and adoption care providers. Kelsey Dallas is going to help us break down the impact of that coming up next. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.